Well, welcome back to the Rooted In podcast. This is a podcast rooted in community brought to you by Ferguson's Downtown. We are starting a new series rooted in music, talking to local musicians about their story, their practice, their craft, recording local music, how it feels to be a local musician in Las Vegas. And we're really excited. We're kicking things off with Cameron Detman today. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Um, We are recording this during corona times yeah it's good. <laughs> so we have mask on yeah so uh, i sound a little work. muffled but it's all i think it's good i think we're good, yeah, we're good. um we are six feet apart mm-hmm. we have our mask on we got this oh, yeah, so doing, thank you doing all the things of course yeah thank thanks for, for having being me flexible. of course mm-hmm. um so today's conversation we really want to focus on you your journey as a local musician mm-hmm. the experience of being a local musician in las vegas mm-hmm your recording process, um, your inspiration for music, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You ready? Mm-hmm, definitely, So yeah. let's kick it off. Um, can you give us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm, uh, my name is Cameron, Cameron Detman. I'm a local singer-songwriter, uh, producer, um, uh, jack of many trades in these, these times as being an artist uh, yes. kind of demands, you know. But, yeah, I've been playing... Uh, I've been in Vegas most of my life. I was born in California, but I moved here when I was five, so I grew up here. And I started first performing when I was uh, in my around my senior year of high school, and I was playing just little coffee shop gigs. Like I was working at a coffee shop, and they wanted to have artists come in, and so I kind of was like, "Oh, I think I'd be good at that" because I really liked music for a long time, but I never really wanted to um, pursue it, you know, past just like a hobby. But then eventually, I started writing my own songs and wanted to try it, so. Then it evolved into my first band, which was right around the time I graduated in 2007. So, okay. um, and that was all about like the pop punk emo scene. Mm-hmm. And so through most of my, you know, um, from when I was around 18 till about 22, 23, that was just the hot thing at the time was all the, you know, you know, back when Panic of the Disco first came out yes. and all these Vegas bands, these local Vegas bands were signing these uh, record deals with like independent record labels. And so mm-hmm. at the time, that's what everybody wanted to do. And so, and there were a lot of these all ages shows with, you know, all just that kind of music. And, and what year was that? This around? was from around 2005 all the way through maybe 2012, I think was when it okay. kind of started to slow down on that. But yeah, so that was like the all, all the rage at the time, you know, there, there wasn't that many like big bands, but around the same time, that's when the killers first also came out on mm-hmm. the scene. So I think that kind of started to legitimize Vegas musicians and artists. And so that was a, a moment for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a very pinnacle moment. Um, especially when the killers got first you know, first signed their big record deal because that was like a sign, you know, for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then that's after that, that's when all the other bands started to come after, you know, Panic at the Disco. You had, you know, there were some of the lo- other like lesser known bands like The Cab, like Escape the Fate. Um, the higher man there's there's a whole bunch of uh those types of bands that signed these like small indie deals and then they really only ended up doing like one or two albums and then got getting dropped and you know just kind of doing that cycle um but yeah then imagine dragons came out you know shortly Mm -hmm. a little while after that a few years in and um and my band that i was in had eventually kind of turned into it started out as a band called water street and it was all pop punk and then it turned into a band called play for keeps and it was more alternative rock, and so we and we opened up for Imagine Dragons uh, 
for their the for like the the release of Night Visions, the very first album they did. That's cool. So, Where yeah, was that? It was at the Hard Rock on the Strip. Nice. Um, yeah, that was that was a really really cool opportunity to be able to do that, and uh, I think around 2013 was when my the band finally broke up. Like it was, cause it's really difficult I think for supporting musicians mm-hmm. um, to make a living. It, it's much harder for them because there's more opportunities for guys like me that are singers, you know, and and lyricists and stuff. It just like it's hard to get hired for a solo drum gig. You know what I mean? Got it. But for something, you know, like I can do weddings, I can do all, all, all kinds of different things that, you know, allow me to at least use my money, use my music to make money. But anyway, so um, the band broke up and then I started to go solo. And I took about a year of not really performing at all and just was writing as much music as I could to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Because it was like the band was my identity for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And uh and then going of, solo, you had to yeah. almost rediscover. It's pretty much, yeah. Right. So it was it was interesting, but it was um, it was kind of nice because it was less stressful. You know, it's like when you have a project going full force, it's demands most of your attention. And so I really didn't have anything specific demanding my attention, other than just kind of exploring, you know, music itself. Like what I tried different genres out, and you know what I mean. Just totally really figured out what I really liked, really want, which directions I really liked to to play with, and. Um, then I met a friend, uh, a guy who was my manager at the time who helped me, uh, because I wanted to start doing cover gigs here in town, uh, and make money that way. Cause I'd seen, uh, a few people. Well, for, first off, I met Daniel Park, who's, yes, I'm sure you guys know. We love. Um, and this was back in like maybe 2015 ish around there. And, uh, and he was playing gigs all over town and making really great money. And he was able to use that money to, you know, just live off of, and then he could, um, write his own original music and fund mm-hmm. that and just and uh he just seemed like he was in a really good place with his career and I kind of saw that and he kind of inspired me and I was like I really think I I, I want to get into that part of you know of the business here in town and so um my friend at the time uh Jose the guy who was managing me he basically helped me um like break into that he, he introduced me to all the good agencies in town like because a lot of them have these little like kind of audition processes you have to know about like when and where it is and so he just kind of gave me the lowdown on on how to get started as a cover artist you learn you know two or three hours worth of songs and you practice them you have to get a PA you have to you get the number of different things that have have on hand and and then it kind of just started to snowball from there I started doing like a couple gigs a you know a month and then it was you know once a week and then twice a week and then three times a week and then four times a week and then I think in like 2017 I was, there was a point during the summer where I worked for like two and a half weeks, no da- no nights off, sometimes like two, two gigs a day. Like and who it, was hiring you? Every, um, it's a, it's like a network of different agencies here in town that, mm-hmm. um, some of them are really big. Um, some of them are kind of more medium sized, run by like two or three people. And then uh, others like Lily here in town, you know, yes, a good who friend we of love, ours. who we work we with. We love Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she books like a handful of rooms uh just herself she's freelance you know and so there's, there's quite a uh, good amount of people that do these types of gigs and they can range anywhere from you know casino lounges like restaurants inside casinos or independent restaurants you know private events corporate stuff like it's just kind of you know wherever you can get hired for but it's really uh 
it's it's really a nice way to make money. You know, I was going days, to ask sure. you because it seems that the feeling overall for local musicians is that they almost have a pressure to only do covers and not do originals because that's what they're going to get hired yeah. for and make money. But it sounds like it was more of a choice of yours that it was exciting to you, or like think, how do you, how do you feel about that? Um, there's there's a bit of both in mm-hmm. that. Um, as someone who's been doing covers for a few years now. I can say, I was actually just describing this to a good friend of mine this morning who's just kind of getting into it, but the way I see it is like you have a, a, a bar of energy that you can dedicate to music as, as, an, as a musician or, or with any kind of form of art, you know, and when you spend money, sorry, when you spend time performing these cover gigs, it uses a bit of that energy because it's like mm. it's still it's it's still music, you're still doing music, but you're not doing music that's very you know, fulfilling to you. Like it can be, there are moments where you're playing out and you, you know, someone comes up to you and says, you absolutely made our night. Like we absolutely had the most amazing time. Thank you so much. Like we're going to, we're going to remember this for like a long time, like stuff like that. That's, that is fulfilling. Totally. You know, although it's not my art that I'm performing, it's kind of my, my own form of the cover songs that I'm doing. Like we Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I try to make it my own thing. Uh, but that still drains that energy, you know, and that could be energy that you would rather spend on writing original music or recording or playing a show with your own music that you write that you actually really are passionate about. So that it's like, it's good and bad. But then at the same time, you know, if you spend hours and hours and hours practicing, you know, learning new songs, you become a better instrumentalist, you become a better lyricist mm. just by, by the inspiration you kind of gain from all That's that. That's a cool way of looking kind of at d- it. You, yeah, you learn how to kind of pick apart songs because in order to make it your own version, you kind of have you have to learn what the song like is in its entirety, and then you can play with it. Now that's how I kind of have looked at it, and it's it's been pretty cool. Like you know, almost like seeing the glass half full, you know, right. as what as much as I can. But you know, I will be honest. There are nights where you know, if you're playing to you know, some random bar where there's five people in it, and they don't you know give a shit that you're there at all. Right. It's exhausting, you know, because you're you still have to put on a good show because you're hired for you know, for a job. Um, but you know, sometimes by the time you're done, you're just like, oh, I just want to get, the, I just want to go home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I would rather be working on my own thing or, or something. So, so that leads me to my next question: mm-hmm. What fills you back up? What inspires you? What makes you want to keep creating and exploring and learning? Um, I mean, for me, it's. It's just always that next idea, you know. I, I'm I I am constantly um, thinking of new ideas, you know, just kind of coming to me. Like if I just decide to sit down one day and start something, then it it can snowball very quickly into something that I just completely obsess over and, and want to finish. And and that feeling is kind of what drives it. It's just that that the pure creativity uh, of of songwriting is one of my favorite things in the world, and then all the different aspects of it too, because you know, you could just just be sitting there at home with a guitar and, you know, you come up with a little lick or something like that and then you start hearing the lyrics in your head and, oh, that'd be kind of cool and then you go from there. Or you could be sitting on a computer in full production mode and, you know, you can throw a beat together, record some guitar over it and then you can kind of start even, like, putting, a, like, shaping a song, like, immediately it's already there, you know. So there's different way and there's a lot of different ways to, you know, start writing songs or and, and where inspiration comes from. But um, I don't know, like, Nothing else has really ever given me that feeling, you know, of something that I know I'm I should be doing. I totally. Guess, and know? what is like your your personal process look like? So you get the inspiration, mm-hmm. you start writing. Is it jumping on the computer? Is it putting notes in your phone? 
it's a, uh, it starts with a lot with the notes thing. Um, I feel like it's three main ways that I've, I've come up with songs, I think, at least how they start is, one is I just think of a lyrical concept in my head, like I'll just be somewhere and I, you know, maybe I think of an idea or something or hear somebody say something, like, oh, that's kind of interesting, and then I just write it down, and then that's where lyrics start, and then you can apply music to that and play with it. Another is just like sometimes you'll hear like a melody in your head, like, uh, or something, and then you can turn that into like a hook of some sort. Um, and then the last is just, um, like say I'm sitting in my room and you're playing your guitar and you come up with some kind of like composite, like some instrumental thing, you know, that's, that's another way that an idea starts, but that's, that's usually the three main ways that I, I start. And it all kind of depends on what's going on. Like, uh, at the time, you know, um, like it could be like what kind of mood I'm in or, you know, if I'm angry, I, or maybe I want to play guitar really hard or something, or if I'm, you know, if I'm, you, you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry. So what do you do yeah. from there? So like as a local musician, what is your process of recording music, mm-hmm. releasing music? Um, Cause hopefully the idea is that inspiring musicians are listening yeah, to this and absolutely. learning from you. Well, when I first started, it was you. You would work with a producer, right? You would, uh, if you were an independent artist, you'd have to find an independent producer because usually they were cheaper than hiring like a full-time professional or something. But um, and then you would go to that person's place or, or wherever, and then they would record everything there. But now, um, in order to get a, a, a quality, a really high-quality sound, you know, just on your own, you don't really need to spend that much money. And if you learn how to like do some kind of production on your own, like you're miles ahead of people who can. And it's become almost like an industry standard now to at least have some kind of, you know, studio production knowledge. And so this past year, I did a residency at, in Singapore. Um, I, pre- I performed at the Ritz Carlton Hotel for three months. And while I was there, I taught That's myself. That's cool. As, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I um, and while I was there, I was just playing five or six days a week, and then I would just live in the hotel, and I brought all my studio stuff with me. I bought a new interface, and, and I taught myself how to like produce my own music. So the the most I have a song that I just released called "Everything's Fine" that I dropped in March. Oops, sorry, just touched the mic. Um, and I did all the production myself for it. Um, That's I, cool. All all in in Singapore. While I was there, and then I have a good friend named Robert Katz who's an engineer who used to work at the studio at the Palms. Um, he did the mix for me. So as far as what I have, how I've been going about it is doing all my own production. And then you get somebody professional to do the mix for you. Right. Cause mixing is a whole different animal, um, to learn how to like do pro- like professionally, you know, that, that takes years to learn. So at that, so at you this... had someone mix it for mm-hmm. you and then yes. what's the next step for you from there once it's mixed? Um, and then, um, Put it on Spotify. I had a music video that I filmed for it too that I promoted. Um, you know, there's uh, distribution websites uh, like Ditto Music or DistroKid that you can put all of your music on Spotify, on on Apple Music, on Tidal, er, you know, all the streaming services you'd like. Uh, puts it on YouTube as well. That's um, cool. What's the name of that website? Uh, DistroKid is the one I use. DistroKid. Yeah, DistroKid. DistroKid.com. Yeah, and you just pay like a one uh, a yearly fee and you can upload as many songs as you want. That's incredible. It's it. Kind of, it sounds like Anchor for podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very very similar. Cool. Yeah. Distro Kid. Mm-hmm. Cool. Distro Kid's really cool. Yeah, and they have a lot of really cool features. Like there's a component where you can, um, it like shows you how to do the Spotify playlist algorithm. Basically, when you submit a song to Spotify on the Spotify artist uh, website, you can submit your songs to be put into their playlists. 
Mm. and they're placed there algorithmically like if they match a certain tone it, it's all done by algorithms it's insane but essentially like say you write a like uh, a super poppy you know edm song or something and you submit it to go into a playlist there's a chance that if it sounds a certain way it'll get put into an edm playlist and then it gets that's that has access to thousands of people they'll stream it and hear it and maybe they'll add it to more of their playlists and it's kind of how spotify is allowed like new to music have a to viral spread. moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's really cool the way they do it and then there's also, you know, uh, services that can pl- put them on playlists that are owned by uh, independent curators. That's okay. like a whole thing now. Like Spotify and all these streaming services, the playlist components have become this entire industry within the music industry. Where like, say you're, you like listening to EDM as another example, and you're really good at finding new EDM that's like just up and coming, right? Your, pl- your playlist becomes really popular and then all of a sudden you have, you know, say 5,000 listeners to your playlist that you made. Now record labels or managers are going to come to you and go, hey, I have this artist. He's a really good EDM artist. Why don't you, uh, you know, put him on your playlist for me? You know what I'm totally. saying? And they give you money for it. Well, Ferguson's downtown. We just mm-hmm. launched a Spotify playlist. That's awesome. So let's have that as our goal. There you Be go. The yeah, new, exactly. <laughs> the new kings of the playlist. Yeah, I love it. Cool. But yeah, so, yeah. So, Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. What would you love to see happen in Las Vegas? Just like really micro local for musicians. What would you love the city to support or shift or adapt or Hmm. emphasize, celebrate? Um, I think, I mean, right now I just want everything to open back up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But that's, that goes without saying. Um, You know, I think that, when I was a little younger, God, that's going to make me sound so old. Uh, I'm 30, by the way. So, uh, But when I was coming up and playing in these um, pop punk bands when I was like 18, 19, 20, um, there, it was very limited where you could have an all-ages show mm. because of the laws with alcohol. And also, it was harder to make money on a show that didn't serve drinks and stuff. you know. So right. most of the best shows in town you can go to are at 21 Up places, and they serve alcohol, you know, and... Uh, like the bunkhouse is incredible, but you know here obviously Love the like bunkhouse. like here somewhere like Ferguson's that could be like an option for for that sort of thing. Um, but when we were younger, like there was only like two good places. Well, maybe one one and a half good places to play. Right, there was a place called Jillian's, which is what the Bong Museum right. is now. But back in the day, it was a concert venue, and they would do these like all ages shows. You know, they'd have security. There was no drinking, but it was always these like. But it was full of kids. You know, you know from like you know. 12 13 you know all the way up to like you know adults and stuff but it was uh it was really cool to kind of see like and be a part of something that you know the the younger kids were like into as well as like the adults and it is it was very like a cool audience to be a part of and to draw in and i've heard stories of jillian's back in the mm-hmm. day it was it was incredible yeah and there was another place called the alley that was at the fam like the family music store uh over on sunset and it was in the back of it, it was like a little theater but they like had it called the alley and it was like a little concert venue they would do shows at too. Um, but yeah, like if, if Vegas was able to do something more like that, more have more options for like younger musicians to be able to perform at. Not shout have to out be... to uh, Ferguson's So sh- Yeah, shout out to Ferguson's for that, <laughs> for doing that. We're yeah. working on it. Honestly, that's a big part of our initiative mm-hmm. and why we are spending so much time and really cultivating yeah, platforms for musicians to help I, that. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that amateur musicians – lack is stage time Hmm. and as far as performing goes it's not one of those things that you can um 
practice at home, you know? It's kind of similar to stand-up comedy where if you want to get better at being a comic, you have to just be on stage. You can't yeah. practice at home. You can you can rehearse it, but to actually be exposed to people and the elements of, of real life and interaction and stuff like that, you have to actually just do it, you know? Absolutely. And that's, you know, and I when I first started playing music, I, I was playing in church, like, when I was younger, like, like 15 and stuff. And, and that's, like, for example, that was a good place for me to get my feet wet as, as a performer because you mm. can play every Sunday or whatever it is, and you're exposed to an audience. Not, not a very judgmental one, obviously, you know, but... But still, like your the experience of it and, and being on stage and stuff is is there. Like that's why open mics are also super important. You know, I love that. That's a great mm-hmm. analogy. Yeah. When you are now getting up the courage, you wrote your song, you recorded mm-hmm. it, you had it streaming. Now you are promoting yourself as an artist. What are some things that really help you go through any blocks? Because it could be really scary mm-hmm. to put really your heart out there right it's Mm -hmm. such a true reflection of who you are and i know so many local creatives really struggle at that point when they are then now promoting it or they feel this pressure to promote themselves Mm -hmm. do you have any tips of um getting through that um yeah i mean i totally understand you know that in my own sort of way like because sometimes you can be it's hard to not be hard on yourself and, and your own work you know no, nothing's ever good enough kind of thing mm-hmm. sometimes but but there's a certain point where you have to just kind of accept that not everybody's going to like what you put out you know and right just to cherish the ones who do and you know not be discouraged by the ones who you know who don't like it and that's just kind of part of the game um but try to i don't know like i feel like also it's it's hard because it's the marketplace is so so oversaturated now with so many artists it's 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 like it's almost like it's hard to feel like you can cut through all the noise you Mm. know but there's you know it's not so much about like the numbers and stuff but it's about like how you impact the people that you're putting your art to i think that's beautifully put and i think that's just solid advice all around Mm -hmm. because i think in any sort of creative industry it could feel like there's so much noise mm, or so many people absolutely. just because we all have access to one another. But I think just doubling down on who you are mm-hmm. and what you're bringing to the table and how you are making people yeah. feel. No, absolutely. It really help cut through that. Yeah. I, I think because the, the one thing that I've always wanted to be is, is just someone who inspires other people to create and, 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 you know, pursue whatever dreams and aspirations they have. I love people that have, ideas and aspirations and and stuff like that because i'm i'm a very like optimistic like you can do it kind of guy you know totally i get that vibe (laughs) yeah yeah um within realistic you know circumstances obviously but yeah like so i i hope that i can you know inspire anyone else to to just try something out you know because that's kind of how it was for me like i i knew that i didn't want to just be someone who um you know work for some big corporation or something like that or something more restricting you know i mm-hmm. wanted a, a kind of more freedom in my in my life and my career is kind of always how i've been but yeah so i think not to not to get discouraged and, and remember like that it's not about um you know how many people are saying it's it's about like i guess it's quality over quantity right absolutely <laughs> and that brings yeah. me to my last question okay. of what new music do you have out now um i so 
I just released a song in March called Everything's Fine that you can find on Spotify and all the good uh, streaming sites. And I love I, the name. Thank you. It was very appropriate for all the, the stuff that was going on. Yes. Um, Everything's fine. Everything's fine, you guys, yeah. Um, I'm about to release a new song called Just Not You. I actually just performed it here um, for the... Uh, so actually, this is the exclusive... Like live, live, first live version that's been done before. Exclusive live version. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. love that. Um, so that should be out. I'm thinking, uh, my, my Robert, my good friend, I was speaking about earlier. He's mixing it right now. So, um, hoping by sometime next month. Um, okay. And then I'm also working on a new project with a couple of the musicians. Uh, probably, we're not sure what to call it yet, but um, that should be uh, maybe in the fall or something. We'll have something out by then, but. I'm just trying to try new things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that is always encouraging mm-hmm. and always helps refresh your creativity yeah. when you're That's another thing I could give uh, advice is just, just to try a bunch of different things. Yes. Don't don't put yourself in a box, you know? Like I, I have my solo music and I'm trying a new new venture with, you know, more of a collaborative of project. But yeah, definitely like don't don't limit yourself. I love that, Cameron. <laughs> and where can people follow you for this whole cool journey that you're on? Um, most of my activity is on Instagram. So you can follow me at uh, Cameron underscore Detman. So it's C-A-M-E-R-O-N underscore D-E-T-T-M-A-N. Um, I also, uh, you can find me on CameronDetman.com. And uh, you can follow me on YouTube as well. Just look up Cameron Detman Music on YouTube. I post cover music. I have some original songs on there as well. Also, um, due to the social distancing, I had started doing a live stream, and currently uh, I do a live stream on both my Facebook and my Instagram, and then it's uh, Thursday through Saturday, that is at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then I also do one on Sundays at 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. I've been watching your lives. You're doing awesome. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate you're welcome. that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been a very rewarding experience doing the live streams. Uh, you know, considering all the things that's that's happening, um, I've I had a lot of really really encouraging messages from people about it. So it's been really really cool. Well, awesome job adapting and getting creative. Thank you. Thank you. I think this is the time to yeah. explore those new experiences and seeing yeah. you know, something else you could offer. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, fingers crossed, but I'm, I'm starting to get hired again for, for real life gigs, you know, with all the social distancing uh, protocols in place. So, um, so I might not have to do all the live streaming in order to make money, but I've, I'm definitely think I'm going to, when I'm able to make full-time money just performing live again, I'm probably going to at least like do it once a week just to keep it up for the people that I've, for the people that I've, uh, you know, met along this way. Like I have some friends in Australia now that have been watching me pretty regularly and, um, some folks on the East coast, like, um, a couple of European folks too, like just all just from being on Facebook and Instagram, people finding me and going, Oh my gosh. Like, so it was really cool to like kind of, see an organic audience start to kind of grow steadily like that. It was really neat. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And everyone follow Cameron. Thank you for listening to our new series. This Mm. is super cool. And thank you for sharing the exclusive song with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back someday. Please do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.